Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Malin, the Multimedia Editor, and I am here with Editorial Content Chief Linda Augsburg and Quiltsamore Editor and soon-to-be American Patchwork and Quilting Editor Jody Sanders. Hey, everybody. Hello. And we are here with a special Editor's Edition on Halloween. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay. Um, so we are going to share some uh, tricks and treats, some sewing tricks and treats with you guys today. We have some nightmarish quilting stories that were submitted by our readers, and we're going to give you guys a little preview of Christmas in case you guys are thinking ahead like we are. So why don't we get started with some tricks for our readers? Well, it's funny. Jody. I know you and I sew sometimes into the wee hours or we get up early to do it. And um, one of the things that sometimes you're in a situation where, like, what do I do? I don't have what I need. And obviously, no quilt shop is open at 2 in the morning. So um, we have some fun MacGyver sewing strategies that will help you um, solve those problems when you're at home and um, in need of a quick fix. And it's fun to kind of see what our readers have submitted as well, some of the things that our staff have talked about. So we want to share a few of those with you, uh, first of all. And one of the things I think is a great idea is that um, if you can't find your circle or your scallop template, use an old CD, and that makes a great guide for drawing scallops and circles. I know we get um, maybe not as many of those in the mail as we used to, but I think sometimes people still save them for whatever reason or they're not sure what to do with them. But they do make a great template if you're needing a circle, a half circle, a scallop, or something of that shape. Well, and I have also pulled things out of the kitchen cabinets. I have used, you know, plates, um, saucers, teacups, coffee cups. You know, kind of, I've found myself going around the kitchen with a measuring tape. Like, what's the right size for Right, something? what's the diameter of this, and is this mm-hmm. going to work for the, the piece that I need? So exactly. look, look in your cupboards, look in your... Um, junk drawer. Sometimes things will will show up there. Even even if you're making small things like uh, berries or something, you can use coins like a quarter or a mm-hmm. penny or something like that as well. Exactly. Um, another great tip if you're out of stabilizer for your applique, um, to use paper coffee filters. Again, with that kitchen, um, sticking with the kitchen theme, um, use those beneath your applique shape, and it'll just give you a little more stabilization um, there. And of course, it'll tear right off. Also, if you sew with a stiletto, uh, which helps you kind of guide your fabrics into underneath that presser foot and help get a straight seam for you. I know sometimes those stilettos can get misplaced. And so if you can't find yours, you could also substitute a bamboo skewer or like a size 16 tapestry needle. Um, The dull tip on the needle and on the skewer, it won't snag your fabric. Um, but you can use it to help hold those pieces in place as you're guiding them through to help you get that really accurate quarter-inch seam. Yep, that's perfect. And sometimes you've got a project that you just don't want to pin through. So sometimes when you're working with vinyl or laminate where you just don't want those pinholes or even, you know, sometimes leather, um, you know, household tape or painter's tape. I, I swear, painter's tape is one of those things that I like to keep in the sewing room because it does have so many uses. 
And also washi tape. I know some washi of us tape. have mm-hmm. that in our um, maybe scrapbooking supplies or paper crafting supplies. The washi tape is great, too, because it's very low-tack, and as these other items are, and it's easily removed. And also, it's kind of colorful, and there's fun patterns. So that's also a uh, fun thing to have on your laminate as you're sewing it. It makes it a little more fun. Um, sometimes my sewing machine foot runs away from me under my sewing table. Does that happen to you, Jody? It does sometimes, yeah. So what I've tried to do is wrap a wire rubber band around the pedal to prevent, prevent that slippage, especially I've got a rolling mat underneath my, um, underneath my table so that my chair rolls on it. But then, like I said, it kind of slips around. So that rubber band just keeps it in place. Yeah, and it's kind of nice if you have the wide rubber band versus kind of the skinny one. The wide one really doesn't roll, and it helps keep that in place. So that's a great tip. Uh, what if you don't have iron cleaner in your cupboard? I know many of us, when we're using uh, fusible, sometimes some of that seeps out or we get the tip of the iron or maybe part of the iron that's got some fusible on it. And what should you do if you don't have any cleaner to clean that off? We can try wadding up a few dryer sheets and rubbing them across the um, warm sole plate of your iron. And that will help remove some of that residue that's there. Also, you can use a scrunched up ball of aluminum foil and that will help clean off some of that excess fusible as well. And that aluminum foil, you should only use it if you do not have a Teflon coated um, uh, ironing plate. You know, you don't want to make, you don't want to scrape that Teflon with a With the aluminum foil, right. Yes. Yes. That's a great, great clarification on that. Sometimes I'm sewing things that have a, um, a deeper seam than what my seam marks are on my sewing machine and so I have used a rubber band or um, again that that painter's tape or even like moleskin um, sticky that you use in your shoes um, as that positioning line and I know at the sewing machine um, when we do the pillowcases we use that blue painter's tape as well to help people keep that seam allowance really clear for them and be able to see it again another great use for washi tape too right I know a lot of us use binding clips uh, when we're putting that binding, turning it to the back and and hand stitching that down. And sometimes I can't find my little um, container that I have with the binding clips in it to help hold it down. So some of the things that you could use in place of that, um, the little silver hair clippy barrette things, I know those have been used in the Mm -hmm. past. Um, I know people that have used paper clips in the past to do that. Um, there's there's uh, the little metal binding clips that you can use to turn to the back. Did you have something else that you use, or are those kind of the typical things that you would use as well? Well, when I've been on the road, I've had to use that barrette tip because sometimes you just need something, that third finger to hold something in place, and um, or that third hand. And I've used, I've taken the barrette out of my hair and done it. Um, also, those big, I have some of those big clips that were, um, oh, in the, hairdressers use them to hold your hair. Oh, right. Those big, the monster bobby pins, if you will, and I've used those as well. Um, and a bit, again, back to the painter's tape that I love. Um, I have also used it to mark straight lines on my project. So whether it's something to follow for quilting, um, keep my stitching straight and narrow. And since, again, it's got that low residue, it doesn't really leave any residue on the fabric which yeah, is great that and it low comes tack up and is right that low tack is again. really great and it can be repositionable so if you get off a little bit i know sometimes when you have a long piece of that tape it can get a little wonky if you're not careful about when you're placing it so it's repositionable and it's also reusable so you can use it on more than one just stripped absolutely press and seal is another one of those kitchen tools that i think is um really great to have around if you've never used press and seal it's kind of 
got a little more sticky to it than um, than regular saran wrap or um, cling wrap, but it's um, it stays it stays positioned and you can write on it. So one thing that you can use it for is um, actually marking your uh, quilting lines on it, sticking it down on your fabric, quilting through it, and then it just tears right off. Um, so you have to mark it a few times, of course, because you'd have to use one for each. Once you've sewn through it, you're not going to be able to reuse it. But I've used it for that. I've also used it um, when I stick things, like I'll trace a pattern and stick it right to the fabric and then cut it out for applique and that kind of thing. One thing I can tell you about using the press and seal, and this is from personal experience, is that I traced out my quilting design in an ink pen. I put it on my quilt top, and I quilted it, and I was quilting in a light area, and the blue from the ink pen went into that light area. So be careful what you're using for your marking utensil when Mm -hmm. you're doing that. You might want to use a pencil or something, and that drags a little bit, so you have to have a little bit of a light touch on that. But also be thinking about when you're doing that, what fabric you're putting the press and seal on if you're quilting, um, if you're putting it on a light fabric. Be careful about what you're using as your marking utensil. And I know another thing we've used for press and seal is if you've got many pieces and you don't have a resealable baggie available, see-through baggie, you can kind of pile all those pieces together in the center of a piece of uh, press and seal and fold the corners in almost like a sandwich, and those will keep all your little pieces for that block together as well. Now, it's a little challenging. You just have to cut it open, and again, you can't reuse it, obviously, then after you've torn your pieces but it is a great way to keep all those parts and pieces together if you have multiple things that you're worried about getting misplaced or mixed up with something else and then you don't have all your pieces when you need them to sew them together i've also used it to wrap up my pin um, my little pin container when i'm going to a retreat i'll wrap that around it and at least then my pins stay position where they're supposed to be. Yeah, it's a great tool for quilters. If you don't have press and seal, and it's similar, you know, to like freezer paper for quilters, you know, several years ago, everybody was going to their grocery store and going to that aisle and getting freezer paper to use to help make applique templates. I think press and seal is kind of the latest thing that we've gone to that aisle for, for um, things to have in our quilters toolbox. Exactly. Um, Sometimes it's helpful if, you know, if you're working with something that's bulky or unwieldy to pin um, I've used things like closed pins to hold the fabrics together, especially when it's things like leather or pleather or plush, um, things that really need a little more stabilization. Also, those binder clips that we talked about, um, the little uh, plastic binding clips are great for that. They hold it together without making any holes in the fabric. So, And I think as we're seeing more and more quilters um, combine different fabrics together and use different kinds of fabrics together, that that's a great tip because you might have different weights of things and um, the pins don't always you know, work or, or aren't as um, sturdy as you would like sometimes or they're getting in the way. And the clothespin is a great tip. Yep. Uh, I happen to make a lot of miniature blocks and miniature quilts, and sometimes um, I'm pressed for space, and, I, and I'm and i sewing short seams by my sewing machine, and I need to do a little bit of pressing, but I don't want to necessarily get up and go back to the ironing board for, for small pieces. So something that you can use as a pot holder, and you can use that as a pressing surface. And so it's got that nice layers there. Um, for the pot holder, and you can use that as a small portable ironing surface, and it's ideal for those small pieces such as triangle squares or other small pieces that you might be working on. And it's great to take to a retreat, especially if you're limited for space when you're working at tables with other people. If you have a small pot holder or something like that, that's a great thing to use. Well, that's perfect. And my final tip for this segment is um, that I hate, hate, hate that my vacuum won't 
pull up all the threads in my in my chair on my in my room and so I just hit everything with a lint roller I roll it over my chair I roll it over myself um, before I run to the store when I've been sewing all day in like fleece pants and um, just you know roll that lint roller over everything and boom your surface is ready to go it also picks up glitter which I have personal experience with um, having just surged with glitter uh, with a glitter coated fabric for a video so it also picks that up which is so great so I'm so grateful for thanks guys we'll be back after the break with more tips Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash million pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual quilt along by making a quilt, a one block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Hi, and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We are back with more tricks and treats, um, and we're going to start with some great reader tips um, that were submitted to us, and these are kind of some time-saving tips, some budget uh, tips for quilting, um, and we're going to share some of our favorites with you guys. You bet. One of the things that um, we have heard from many readers is to block off time. And so we have readers who believe in washing and ironing all their fabrics in one day and then cutting all the pieces in one sitting. So that way they can sew without interruptions and really dive into something. Um, Or, you know, sometimes what I do and what some of our other readers do is cutting all of their fabric for several piecing projects at once. So I'll have a day when I can, when I know I have nothing else on my schedule, I'll cut fabric for multiple projects and bag it up and make it all really clear so that when I go back to it, I can figure out what I was doing. But then that way, when I have small pockets of time, I can dive into a project and 
not have to have that first step be the cutting. Really efficient way, I think, to do things and, and just kind of that assembly line process where you're in the groove and you're thinking about measurements and you're able to read your ruler correctly. And, you know, you're not Getting going tired. from one thing to another to another to another. And so you're very, very efficient use of time, I think. Uh, one of the things that uh, we get asked about a lot is color and choosing fabrics and what goes together. And I'm not sure that people are aware that on the salvage of a fabric, you'll oftentimes find dots or squares or even kind of little motifs they've gotten kind of creative lately where you have information about the fabric. So the designer name, the company name, the collection name, but there's also those dots of color that you'll see. And those are actually all colors that are in that particular fabric that you're looking at. And so as they're printing that, the multiple layers that they're printing, those are the colors that are in that. So as you're seeing a big, bold print and it has lots of colors and you're not sure what goes with this, take a look at those dots on the salvage and that'll help you pick out some of those coordinating prints like tone-on-tones or some basics that can go with that, that particular print that you're working with. And I've also had those kind of in my purse if I'm looking for fabrics to go with something. I'll just carry those dots around. I'll cut them off as a salvage and carry that with me. And that way I've got, is that the right red? Oh, yeah, it is. I can pull it out. Um, Another tip that kind of keeps you on track, um, and it's something we are just adding to American Patchwork and Quilting in the February issue, is to check off each step of the pattern when you've completed it and highlighting steps or notes so that you don't forget them and w- or waste time between sewing sessions. So we've added little checkboxes um, to both the materials list and to the um, the cutting list. And that way you can check that off as you've gone ahead and done that part, especially if you're not doing all of your cutting at once or all of your shopping at once. Do I have that? Do I have enough of that? Those little check boxes will help you along the way. And I love the idea of writing notes in the margins, especially if you're doing something a little different um, than what is being done in the instructions or make a color or, a, or even a black and white photocopy of that page and change the colors for yourself. So if instead of doing a quilt in blue and white, you're using you know, multiple colors, make notes and say this one is going to be red and this one's going to be green and this one's going to be blue so that when you go back, those that information's there for you. One of the things I like to do as far as organizing some of my projects is to, um, I have purchased uh, jewelry cases, like the travel jewelry cases. You can go to department stores and find those or um, discount stores, and they're kind of the roll-up bags. So they're typically in the makeup aisle or the jewelry aisle, um, and they have most of them have see-through compartments. And so there may be pockets that have zips on them, so you can put things in to secure them. There may be Velcro, um, but I love the see-through vinyl aspect of it because you can put your threads and your needles and your little pieces, your little scissors in, and it makes a great travel companion when you're doing sewing on the go or you're going on vacation somewhere and you want to take a little project with you, some handwork or some sewing to do. Um, and just having that all together in one place is uh, really a great tip, I think. Now, when I'm diving into a sewing project, again, I usually have a block of time. So what I'll do before I really get started is decide what color I'm going to piece in. And typically I piece in a gray or a cream Um, rather than the color to match necessarily the fabric. But I'll go ahead and wind multiple bobbins at the beginning of that project so I don't have to stop every time I run out of a bobbin. I can just switch them over and roll on a new. And then if I've gone through multiple bobbins in the day, I might, before I start the next day, wind those back up again and fill them so that I've got always got them on hand and I'm not frustrated. 
I like to, um, before beginning a new project, is to actually make a sample block. So I'll sit down and uh, cut out a few pieces and make sure that um, everything is going together as I had planned. Part of that is just just make sure that my piecing is accurate and it does go together as I hope it would. But also I think it's an opportunity to look at color combinations. And especially, again, if you're doing it in a different color combination than the quilt you see in front of you, it may not be turning out quite the way that you thought you wanted it to. So if you make a sample block and you look at it and you go, oh yeah, well maybe I should change the darks to here and the lights to here, or maybe I need it to be a little more scrappy, or um, just even if you're doing like a low volume kind of thing, it, it may also make a difference in what color you put in what position. So I think making a sample block ahead of time is always a good idea. And I know we recommend that in um, in all that we say and do, but I it just, I always... I'm glad that we're encouraging people to do it because I think a lot of times I'm as bad, the, probably the worst offender. I want to dive in right away and I cut all my fabric before I even, you know, make that sample block and see what it's going to look like. Um, one of the things, because I do tend to buy projects, um, fabric for projects ahead of time and then I kind of pack them away, is um, I store my purchased fabric and pattern and all of that in one um, either a Ziploc bag or something um, like a clear zippered bag that I've got um, that I purchased sheets and bedding in. Those are great for storing all those projects. And I actually just last night bought some two-gallon bags and some one-gallon bags. And then um, I have some of those bedding bags. So I know that I can organize some of those projects together and keep everything all safe and I don't accidentally grab something for a binding on a different quilt and then realize, oh, that was key to this quilt that I had in mind. And kind of going on um, making the sample block that I talked uh, a little about earlier, you know, when you have those extra blocks and, for example, you make a block and you're like, "Mm, I'm not really sure about this color combination and so you go a different direction, you may end up with two or three extra blocks uh, that didn't work out for whatever reason when you get your quilt done. And those extra blocks can either be used to add interest to the backing or they can be used as a uh, decorative pillow. Um, you can always use those extra blocks in another way. So it's not a waste even if you've made that sample block and for whatever reason it doesn't work out. Um, you can still use it to, to make other things and do other things with it. Absolutely. Um, do you ever use a design wall, Jody? Uh, I do, especially if I am trying to... Uh, make something in a very specific way. I think a design wall is a great tool um, that people don't take enough advantage of. I have one. I have actually a, a flannel sheet that I hang on my um, on my wall behind my sewing area and I just, that's what I use as just a nice flannel flat sheet. It just keeps holding those blocks up. But um, another tip that we have is that um, one of the readers made a 60 by 80 inch design wall by covering four foam core panels with white flannel and then hanging them up side by side. Now, this would be a great use for um, like command strips, those Velcro strips that that attach to the wall. Um, So she can arrange her whole quilt top on her on her wall, and then she can take down each board individually, which I think is brilliant, and carry it to her machine. And that way she's got, you know, things don't move. I The one risk I have in mine is that I have to make sure I put that block up in the same place. But if I had it next to me, I'd be able to 
know at a glance that I've got everything in the right place still. And again, that's a great efficient use of your time. You know, you've got that quarter of the quilt or however you decide to divide your design wall up right there next to you. And so you're able to place those pieces back um, as you're sewing them. You can get them back in the right position. And then you're not getting up from your chair and walking over to the wall and picking the next, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's just a great efficient use um, of your time as well. You get more sewing great. done, more quilts made. Uh, one thing that I've been using for several years, and uh, readers suggested this as well, is it's commonly found in office supply stores, and that's that rubber fingertip um, that you use. Sometimes they use it for um, organizing papers or going through copies and things like that, and it's just um, a very inexpensive little tool. It's rubber, and it's got little grips on it, and so you can easily pull the needle through. Um, I don't do a lot of hand quilting, but when I do, I find that that... Uh, kind of rubbery grips on that really helps pull that needle through if my finger is, you know, sweating at all or anything like that. It really is a great little tool and very inexpensive. One other thing I like to use um, in my sewing room that's one of those inexpensive use things is I take a prescription bottle or a medicine bottle and I place my broken or bent needles and pins in that container. You can also use a film canister, though film canisters are getting harder to find these days, or even like breath mint containers, like a Tic Tac container. Um, But I just like to have that. I have it sitting in my sewing room um, next to my machine. And then if I break a needle, I can put it in there. And then when it gets full, I can throw it away. But I know that nobody else is going to get poked. I'm not going to get poked. And um, all of those are in one place. I just think that's a nice safety tip. And if you use a medication container with a child safe lid, if you've got kids in the house, that's just another good way to keep them safe. One thing, um, again, going back to kind of that sample block idea, I think is is we do encourage readers to always read all the directions first. And it seems a little simplistic, but if you really take the time to sit down and read through all of the steps, sometimes there's a special way of doing something, a technique, a tool that could make the job easier. Um, I think it's just really important to sit down and and go through all of those instructions and read everything first. And instead of just plowing ahead and cutting, you know, we've had readers who have called because they've cut everything out and then, um, you know, Maybe something should have been done a different way, but they hadn't really taken the time to read through everything. So I think taking the time to read through all those directions, um, especially if you're using a kit to make sure that all the parts and pieces are there before you start cutting. Um, Mistakes can be made, and and sometimes you get through all that, and then you're like, oh, no, I don't have enough of this, or I cut this in properly, or the wrong way, the wrong direction. So um, particularly if you're working with things like directional fabrics and things like that. I was just going to say that. Yeah, or, you know... If you're supposed to be cutting, you know, length of grain versus width of grain or or whatever, um, against the grain, whatever the case may be. So um, I think it's always a good idea to read those directions all the way through first. That's I just went through a project where I was switching the direction of the cut pieces. And every time I go back and revisit that project, I wish I had made better notes the time before. So just one more thing. Always make those notes and and post-it notes. And if you have to, sit down and rewrite those words for yourself. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Um, And if you are a reader of American Patchwork and Quilting, you probably read our really popular reader tips section. If you have tips of your own you would love to submit to us, 
you can email apq at meredith.com and write reader tips in the subject line. We love reading your tips. We love featuring them in each issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. So we look forward to reading your best tips. We'll be back after the break. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to this special Halloween Editor's Edition of the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. So a few weeks ago, we asked our Facebook audience to share their scariest quilting nightmare with us, and some of the ones submitted were definitely horror stories. So we're going to share some of those with you today. Well, uh, Cindy C. told us the story, which I think we, um, that was a, a great horror story, but we felt sorry for her. And this is what she told us. Um, I was commissioned by the president of our company to make a quilt to be hung in a huge great room over a beautiful fireplace. I selected the colors and a log cabin design was decide the log cabin design for the quilt was decided uh, by his wife. I pieced the quilt and uh, started to quilt it in my frame in my living room at home. And after weeks of meticulous hand quilting, I had only a small area left to quilt, and I was very excited. Apparently, our old cat at the time was jealous that the quilt was getting much more attention than he was. And the night before I was finished quilting, he peed all over the quilt in the frame. No. A cat was never so near death as that cat was. I finished quilting and washed the quilt quickly, but the urine had permanently stained an area of turquoise fabric on one end. I took the quilt to my boss, I told him what happened, and he and I refused to take the commission. He hung the quilt above the fireplace as planned. I'm now retired, and I ran into him a few months ago, and he told me that nearly 20 years later, that quilt is still hanging there. Bless his heart. <laughs> And bless her heart, I can't imagine the heartbreak she went through that day. Um, Linda N., my namesake Linda N., um, and I have a little uh, a little funny uh, parallel thing going. So I'm going to read what she shared with us. Um, she says, I made an elaborate eye spy quilt for my great niece who lived in London. 
I had spent almost a year gathering novelty fabric representing fairy tale characters, U.S. themes, British themes, and I pieced it, arranging it in nine blocks by color. I had it beautifully long-armed and got it bound. I decided to wash it before mailing it overseas. The red nine patch bled all over the surrounding right background. I cried. But back in the washer with multiple color catchers and OxyClean and almost all of the red came out and the quilt was a hit. So Linda says she now pre-washes almost all of her fabrics, particularly the reds. And I've had a similar thing happen. I was in a strip block. Um, we were doing a, a retreat quilt and or we were at a retreat doing a quilt. And the idea was that you all shared strips of fabric. Um, and so I did, you know, I, I used everybody's fabric just like we were supposed to. And when I finished the quilt and washed it, one of the fabrics in the quilt wasn't color fast and, um, and bled a little bit. And I just, you know, you're just broken hearted, but that's why I always gift my quilts with a box of shout color catchers and tell them, you know, every time you wash it, first time throw a couple of them in there and then after that every time you wash that quilt just throw a color catcher in there better safe than sorry Sharon E. shared this story with us one of the first quilts that I was asked to long arm machine quilt was a hand pieced quilt that was 125 inches square very large quilt it was made completely out of squares that were cut from double knit polyester leisure suits from the 1970s Nothing had been stabilized. Nothing had been cleaned. It hadn't been pressed. The piecer was in hospice care, and she really wanted to see it completed before she died. And, you know, we all have those quilts, I think, that, you know, we, we want to see finished for sentimental reasons. And it's so hard when they don't measure up to what we think maybe um, we would like to have when we're entrusted with something to finish for somebody else. Um, I had a similar instance where I bought a quilt on eBay. It wasn't necessarily a horror story in a way, but I had bought a quilt. Um, I either didn't read the description carefully enough or it wasn't in there but the quilt when I got it in the mail and I opened it out of the box it was complete it was a trip around the world quilt made completely of polyester double knits and I thought I am never going to finish this quilt or whatever and it still sits in a box actually in my garage right now but it will live forever because it it's made that polyester <laughs> double knit. so I should maybe at least tie it or do something with it and make a great picnic quilt or one to take to sporting events that is it would because it would be very very warm um, that is all almost always why you see those tied because no one wants to quilt with all that knit um and that's why I back my T-shirt quilts, T-shirts with something. Um, so Rihanna N. said uh, the time, her nightmare was the time that her sewing machine just started sewing by itself and wouldn't stop until she unplugged it. She took it to the repair shop and she swears that the foot pedal was haunted. Mm. So, I, and I've had that, I've heard that happening and people are just like, it won't stop, it won't stop. Sandra Kay said, I rolled up a pair of scissors and a customer's quilt, and it put a tear in the lattice. I called the customer, and she was so very, very kind and understood that it was totally an accident. She had similar fabric, and I was able to repair the quilt by cutting a length of lattice and hand appliquing a new section after cutting apart the place that was torn. I was not able to repair the back, but the customer applicated a small heart over the spot. 
Of course, I didn't charge her for that. It was free. And now I never, 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 ever lay my scissors on quilt top as I work. Yeah, that is one of the concerns of when you roll those things on a long arm. Um, I have a little hook on the side of my machine that I put my little scissors on. And before I start the machine up again, I make sure they're there because I just want to make sure that I don't lose them or have them somewhere that I'm going to hit them with a needle. Um, we have two different um, two different puppy stories, actually. Uh, it seems like this is a common occurrence. And if any of you have dogs, you know that um, the excuse that my dog ate my homework is not always so untrue. So Sandra B. said, about eight years ago, my dog ate the corner of a quilt I had just finished. Luckily, I had enough scraps to fix it, but you could tell it was a little different. The person who received the quilt loved the quilt and loved the story about the dog eating it. And then Barbara D. said she had just finished a baby quilt for my husband's for her husband's best friend and his wife. The baby shower was the next day. She held the quilt up to show hubby and his and his lab puppy jumped up and bit a hole right in the middle on the front was the first thing I'd made for someone outside of my family and I couldn't stop crying. I got to believe that dog was in the doghouse for the rest of the <laughs> afternoon. Kathy S. shares, my quilting friends and I plan a quilting retreat each year uh, several hours away from our home. Two years ago during the retreat, one of the ladies who was mach- who had a machine identical to mine wanted to know how to lower the feed dogs. So I demonstrated on my machine only to find out later that I couldn't move my feed dogs back to engage them in the original position. Everyone tried to fix it and get the feed dogs back engaged again. We even called the sewing machine repair shop. Nothing seemed to work. There were three more sewing days left at our retreat, and I had no sewing machine to use. Luckily, we remembered that there was a discount store close by, and one of my friends drove me there, and I purchased an inexpensive machine so that I could continue with my projects while at the retreat. I have a friend who had a similar problem in that um, she we have a quilting retreat and it's several hours from home and we all got there and you get unpacked and you know what a process it is if you go to a retreat. And you get there and you get all your stuff unpacked and you're ready to go and she had forgot her sewing machine foot at home. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she was not able to uh, do much sewing that weekend. But luckily she would brought enough handwork and some other things to do that that's what she was able to do instead. I worked at a quilt shop, and we actually had people occasionally come in, and either their machine had malfunctioned, could they quick get a you know service call on it, or because um, they were at a retreat, we had a retreat center nearby, um, or it was something like they'd forgotten a foot, they were had forgotten something, and you know, could they just could they just borrow it? Could they just? <laughs> and so a lot of times we just check it out for them and just make sure you return it. So. Um, now, Barbara W. Uh, had a, another story that's similar to something I've experienced, and it's it's mortifying, but it's true. So Barbara says, I had just finished my fourth quilt. It was a mariner's compass that I had cre- created my own pattern for by looking at a thumbnail picture in a magazine. It was quilted, bound, and ready to be entered in their local show, and then the state fair immediately after that. So this was a really stunning quilt. Um, it was folded up on my sewing table. Two days later, I unfolded it to give it a final press, only to discover that a mouse had crawled in and eaten a hole in the middle of one of the compass points. I feel your pain, Barbara. 
I was able to carefully unquilt and unsew that point and insert another one, sewing it in by hand. That's painstakingly uh, loving your quilt. It did go on to win the best of show at the state fair. But if you've ever seen the movie Mouse Hunt, you know what my sewing looked like until I caught that mouse. I was unpacking a quilt top the other day, Barbara. I understand exactly how you feel. I found that uh, something had nibbled in one block, one area of a quilt top that I had. And luckily, I had I had to go back to my stash of fabric. But I had some scraps left over, and I was able to grab them. And I at least I hadn't quilted it yet. I can I think I can take it apart and and do some repair. We have one more story to share with you. Um, this one's from Anna, and she says, I was trimming up a hand-turned butterfly blocks when my daughter-in-law stopped by with the grandkids. My oldest grandchild asked if she could stay and work on homework while her mom and I did some errands. She's 14 years old, and I left her there by herself. When we got back a couple hours later, she met me at the door. She had seen my setup and decided that my rotary cutter which got away from her and sliced right into my butterfly block. Thank goodness she only went a little bit further into the block than squaring up could fix, and a slightly bigger sashing blended right in. She was so horrified that she had ruined all my work that I couldn't even scold her. But I learned to hide my cutter whenever the grandkids came over. Good idea. Those are some spooky stories, guys. (laughs) Um, We will be back right after the break. Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Hi, and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast sponsored by Moda Fabrics. So we're going to transition from Halloween to Christmas now because I'm sure as quilters we are all starting to panic about the projects we're making and the gifts we have planned. Um, So we're going to talk about how a few of our newest issues might help you accomplish that. If I'm right in saying so, aren't we about seven weeks till Christmas? Yeah. Something like no that? No panic yet. No <laughs> panic yet. No worries. So um, the two issues that are on the newsstand right now are American Patchwork and Quilting's December 2016 issue and winter 2016 issue of Quilts and More. Now, um, we did have on this issue of American Patchwork and Quilting is the new logo, which we're so excited about. It's still called American Patchwork and Quilting, but... Um, We have gotten rid of the big Q, and actually the whole quilting word is in lowercase. So just to give you something to look for um, as far as making sure you have the right magazine when you see it on the newsstand. Um, The cover of the American Patchwork and Quilting December issue has a wonderful Christmas quilt from Lisa Alexander in great, really a great variety of reds and greens. Um, A little bit of your non-traditional, a little more of a limey green in there, um, some linen in there. So just a nice mix, a nice blend, a really fresh look for Christmas. And it's also got a little girl and her puppy dog just waiting for Santa. So 
Um, that's the cover. That's what you're looking for on the newsstand. She's an adorable little red and white striped legging. So in case you haven't seen it, please go to the newsstand, pick up a copy today. Um, we did some holiday projects in the issue. One of the things that we love from that holiday section is a um, the Catch a Chickadee quilt from Jackie Robinson. And um, it is using an amazing border print that she has in the line of fabric that she has from Benertex. And it's got a beautiful sway in it or a swirl wave in it. And so it just makes the border look so complicated. But really, you're just cutting straight strips. So we really love that little detail. It's got a little Irish chain look in it as well as star blocks. It gives you that opportunity to try your mitering as well because Mm -hmm. that, that really is effective with that mitered border on there. In addition, in this issue of American Patchwork and Quilting, we have some great um, sew-in-the-know projects. So some gifts, um, products that come in small packages, products that quilters would love as gifts, products that you would love as gifts. And you can always, um, you know, do that little hint thing, put a post-it note on the page, have it open to, say, a family member might notice. Hey, by the way, look at this cool idea for me for Christmas. So um, we also are talking about some of the slideshows we have online for the holidays, some ways that you can give back um, at this time of giving, and a new program we have launching in December for the month of December called 25 Days of Quilt Mess. And it is um, joining us on Facebook and Instagram to see quick and easy holiday projects and gift ideas. I would say with that, too, if you wanted to bookmark it so you are ready for the holidays, it is at allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltmas. And we will be releasing a new video every day of a project or gift idea. And I just got done wrapping up shooting for those and there are some really fun projects and uh, we hope you join us every day and showcase what you're making for the holidays yep Lindsay did an amazing job on those videos and uh, we can't wait to share them with you so also in the December issue the mystery row quilt has pretty well wrapped up in this issue so you'll get that last row and all the finishing and you'll get to see it actually completed and on a wall so we're so excited to see the final um, final installment of that and love that Pat Sloan was able to do that with us all year long I know that you all love Pat as much as we do and um, we really loved sharing that mystery quilt with everyone some other things that are in the issue um include the I love the quilting three ways that we have Um, we've been doing that now for a few issues and it's where we send the same block it's a block that's in the issue to three different uh, machine quilters and have them each interpret how they would quilt it and we have Leah Day and Angela Walters and Amanda Murphy those are the three uh, people that we sent the blocks to and they each did amazing jobs of uh, quilting a block that's in the issue so you can see the way that the quilt was quilted in the issue, but you also get three other alternatives. So it's kind of like color options for machine quilters. You know, it's just three more ways to show you how you could quilt the same block. It is. And we're tra- taking a new twist on that for next year, but stay tuned. We love the idea and we're not uh, not walking away from that. We're going to help you quilt even better next year. 
Next, the winter issue of Quilts and More. Jody's going to tell us a little bit more about what was in that issue. That's just been on newsstands about a week. Uh, October 25th is when that actually hit newsstands, and some of you may have seen it a little sooner, but um, that's the official on-sale date. Uh, you'll be looking for a cover that has uh, a navy blue wall on it, actually. It was kind of a departure for us. A lot of times you see a, lot of, a lighter wall, but uh, we thought that the quilt that we're featuring on the cover, which happens to be from Sherry McConnell, uh, just looked terrific with that navy blue wall. The quilt is using the Desert Bloom Collection by Sherry and Chelsea. Uh, of a quilting life for motive fabrics and the colors are navy and coral and aqua and mustard and cream um, it's kind of typically what we would maybe call an hourglass block or um, a quarter triangles block with some sashing and that's just a terrific throw um, and you can actually start with pre-cuts on that I think Sherry started with um, 10 inch squares and two and a half inch squares so that's a great pre-cut project you'll also see some Christmas ornaments um, from Minky Kim, and they're using her uh, technique of what she calls sewing illustration, where you're actually using your sewing machine as kind of the pen as you're drawing. So you're using the thread and the needle of the sewing machine to outline uh, and give some dimension and some texture and uh, a little bit of definition to some of the pieces in those adorable uh, Christmas tree ornaments. Mm-hmm. We've also got a terrific supersized pincushion. Um, it's a 5 by 15 inch pincushion, so it's pretty large, made with uh, some courthouse steps blocks and adding some pom-pom trim. And then we also have on the cover uh, a, Christmas, a Christmas tree skirt um, that was made by Sue Marsh using her quiz- Christmas Wishes collection from RJR. So that's what you're going to be looking for on the cover. We've got some terrific projects, um, a lot of holiday-related content. Of course, we've got our one block, three ways, where we take uh, one quilt block and then interpret it in three different fabric collections so you can see what that looks like. Scrap Lab this time was really fun. Our contributing designers, Sherry Falls and Monique Dillard, were joined by our guest designer, uh, Jesse Ziegler, and they were given uh, pre-cut hexagons. And these are large hexagons that came from uh, the Me Plus You collection of Indo Batiks from Hoffman Fabrics. And they started with the pre-cut hexagons, and then we encouraged them to not necessarily just put the hexagons together, but to actually cut up those hexagons into different shapes. And we had a table topper from Sherry and a throw from Monique, and then another terrific uh, Christmas tree skirt in the issue uh, that you can see the photograph of that in the issue, and then go to allpeoplequilt.com to get the instructions for that. Um, a little non-traditional colorway maybe for a Christmas tree skirt, but um, I think with the batiks, it's just uh, a really beautiful project, and Jesse does amazing machine quilting, so you want to be sure and, and check that out as well. Uh, we also have... Um, some other items because we have quilts, but we also have the and more part. And one of our favorite projects in the issue is called Playground, and it's inspired by paper dolls. And so you have some uh, nine-patch blocks in the center that then are framed by some paper doll appliques. And uh, this is from Tonya Alexander as the designer. And one of the tips we have for making that quilt Um, Of course, it looks great in the fabrics that Tonya selected, but you also could recycle um, 
children's clothing that they've outgrown and use that in your blocks, especially if they're cotton. Uh, they would make great uh, nine-patch blocks. And then you could kind of relive the memory uh, with the child about, oh, I remember when you wore this dress or I remember when you had this shirt. And uh, just kind of a neat memory quilt that you could make a different way than uh, maybe the way we've presented it. We also have our final in our series of pouches, wool pouches, that were designed by our friend Roseanne. And uh, this one features a snowman theme because it's winter. And I know I'm not supposed to play favorites, but I really do love this final one that she did in this series. I think the colors are really beautiful. And again, Roseanne will be offering kits for those. So if you're interested in, in purchasing a kit, uh, she's put those together for you. We have um, also a different twist on using ribbons as fabric almost or in place of fabric. We have a pillow and a pincushion that um, was designed by Edith at Renaissance Ribbons, and it's using the Chipper Collection from Tulip Pink. And we've got ribbons instead of fabric that she's used to make um, a really nice pillow and then use those leftovers to make that pincushion, which I think is a great idea for using those snippets of things that you have left and you just can't bear to throw away. Uh, so we want to invite you to take a look at that as well. And we also have our mini makeover, which we're doing, where we are taking uh, one project in the magazine and scaling it down and making a smaller version. And in this case, uh, we're making the mini makeover of our cover quilt that was designed by Sherry McConnell and made a smaller version using peppered cottons from Studio E-Fabrics and designer Pepper Corey to make those. So that's a very quick overview <laughs> of Quilts and More Winter. Yeah, and of course, both of those issues are on newsstands now, so we really encourage you to grab a copy. There's beautiful holiday quilts. There's great gift ideas. Um, it's the perfect reading for if you're traveling during the holidays, and you can get started on those projects now. And of course, join us at All People Quilts. We're already thinking holidays there right now, so um, we'll have all of your holiday needs, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Pat will be back next week, so we will talk to you guys later. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. Thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.